What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Geek First Review. I am the number one Marshawn or Markeon Rowe fanboy, Travis Snell, and I'm joined by... I'm the Nihil Taylor Field. It's really cool. My Lime Ricky's and busting one out because I wasn't on Boba. In this yellow Star Wars light, it's like, you probably can't see it. Th- no, see, he gets to right there. But in the yellow light, it's blue, and it looks very blue Gatorade-ish. Ooh, that's it's cool. cool. I know that's like basic like children math and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I'm going to take a drink. Uh... Taylor, you can start off. What, what are we talking about today? What, 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 what is this review about? This review is concluding our Phase 4 novel reviews of the Star Wars High Republic series. Concluding? Concluding the Phase 1, like the first phase. Of... Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I was talking with Katie, and I was like, so this is like closing out this final phase of the High Republic books? And she said, yep. So uh, we'll be getting more, I guess, when they dive into like the next kind of arc of star wars stuff i guess uh, for these okay. high republic books i'm not sure exactly yeah that um, makes sense because i thought i'd heard something about some sort of phase or something like that but like you know i'm following the mcu stuff i can't also follow the star wars stuff to the t and just because there's lots going on with uh, we'll talk about it in the review but there's lots of comic books for high republic so it is hard to keep up i'm the reverse but i'm not the fanboy that's going to complain about I'm just gonna, okay there's some stuff i'm missing but even today i think there was 
two. I know there was the Eye of the Storm comic book, and then I thought there was something else this week too, High Republic related. So, you know, you love to see it. So yeah, we've had a busy week. I I think I've looked every single day. I don't know. Since Sunday, we've had a podcast. So if you if you want some content, we got it. We got content for everything: Marvel, Star Wars, DC, video games. Very popular Dexter review. So everybody, or we got something for everybody. Where can they find that out, Taylor Field? Ladies and gentlemen, you can find it with your internet connection in the search bar. Geekforce.ca is our home base. Geekforce cast is our Twitter and Geekforce on our Facebook. Pop shop. I'm going to come after you. We need a sponsor. We're talking to two sponsors right now. I haven't had one in like a whole week. Oh, it's good. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, so lots of good stuff as I just talked about. <laughs> just lots down good... in that thing. You can't keep your lips off of that. Oh, no, I can't. It's good. So I'll talk first and I'll let you go and I'll just down the whole thing. But no, lots of good content. And the best way to support us, how you're getting all that contact, is Patreon because ad free, exclusive, early episodes, best way to listen to Geekverse, and you support the show. When you support the show, you create more content. That's how we're doing retrospectives. That's how we're doing different type of episodes, specials, and stuff like that. Um, what else? After 9 is coming up January 22nd. It is going to be, what is it? Um, I don't want to screw up time zone. 9 p.m. P or EST. EST. So 9 p.m. Eastern is when we're doing After 9. If you don't know what that is, that's our Patreon call and show. Everyone on the Phase 2 tier and higher gets to call in. We chat for about two hours. It's live on air. It's tons of fun. We didn't get to do one in December because we were super busy, so we got lots to catch up on. We haven't really talked to the patrons about Spider-Man. I really can't wait to talk to patrons about Boba Fett because it's like a fun, like a very mixed thing. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff going on. So if you want to be a part of that, do that. And then I don't want to script the date, but I think it's yeah February 5th. I don't have an exact time yet, but February 5th is a Saturday. The Geek vs. Gauntlet is coming back. We are holding our first event of the year, the new level. So I can't wait. That's going to be Taylor Field versus Dylan Mutz and Hale Infinite and myself versus Kirkland Patzer in the long-awaited, much-delayed sports title match. So lots of good things. And uh, if you're listening to this and you're a Star Wars fan, we review Boba Fett every week. I've been on episode one. Kirkland's been on episode two and three. And Taylor's been on all. But I promise to be back next week. I really do. I, I woke up like, oh, dang, I should have. But uh, next week, I'm going to be lime-ricking up. No Oscar movies before because some of them can just put you to sleep. That's my mini-review of Spencer starring Kristen Stewart. So... Taylor Field, this is, I don't know how many books. I feel like, is this the fourth or fifth book we've, because I feel, or is this the sixth book? Because they always do two, uh, it feels like every year, right? Of like, there's like the teen one, but it still is a part of the High Republic. And then there's the adult one. And then there's like the kids one. We never cover that one. But I feel like this has to be six or five, at least four. Uh, it's at least four because we have reviewed at least four of them. Um, <clears throat> we've done. It's four because we've at least reviewed four of them. We did Light of the Jedi. We did Into the Dark, I believe. We did The mm-hmm. Rising Storm, Fallen Star. Um, okay, so four. Yeah, but I know there's there's more. Like there's like uh, Midnight Horizon, uh, Mission to Disaster, The uh, Tempest Runner. So these are all other novels that they've got. Yeah, Tempest Runner I have downloaded. I haven't listened to yet. That's just that audio only. Um, what was that? Uh... Uh, why do I always forget her name? She's uh, she's the Tempest Runner who's the Twi'lek. She's like a very like <laughs> like uh, oh she was we, mentioned. Uh, wasn't it like Lorna D or Lorna D? Is Lorna D? Yeah, Lorna D. Yeah, yeah. She's mentioned because I think her book maybe took her storyline into a different route. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, so Taylor, what do you think? Because honestly, we're in the thick of it right now. This is the great Claudia Gray coming back to write some Star Wars. So you and me are big fans of her. Obviously, last time we left off, and this is going to be spoilers for pretty much all the books, stuff like that. We'll try and do non-spoilers thoughts, but I imagine if you're listening to this, you've read the book. But obviously, last time I'll just say that we had a very big death and there was some really crazy stuff going on at the end of the book, and it was a big cliffhanger. So I feel like this was, other than maybe the first one, which people are like, oh, I really want to see what the higher public's about, I feel like this was the most anticipated one in the series so far, just because that last book ended on such a cliffhanger. And it was no, there's barely an epilogue. It was just like, oh, it it was very Empire Strikes Back, where it ends, and you just want to know what's going to happen next. And we had to wait many, many months. So how do you feel as far as the follow-up to that? How does this book kind of go with the rest of the book so far? And uh, how are you feeling in the High Republic overall as we've been, yeah, four books, a couple of years into it now? Well, yeah, the uh, the last book coming off of that, it, it big cliffhanger, left us wide open for what was to come. And it was just seemed like we were going to get into some very serious, nitty-gritty, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, this one dropped. I, I plowed through it in like two days, the audiobook. I was just, I was hooked on this. It started off pretty slow, though I will say. Like, but I was I was gearing up. Like, okay, I know, like, it's getting good. It's getting good. I want to see where these storylines are going to converge and kind of escalate to. And not as slow as that first book. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> but it was great. It was great. Like, there were so many moments that left me on the edge of my seat, thinking like, "Holy shit! I hope they didn't just do this. I hope they didn't do that." And then I had me worried, anxiety, and <laughs> the the end of the book just. I'm so stoked to see what they're going to do. And I've, I just, I've got this huge kind of attachment to some of these characters now. And Mm -hmm. just some of the things that unfolded just blew my mind. So I'm, I'm super excited with where they were going. Yeah. It's funny because I I don't want to say spoilers, so I won't say anything, but I feel like we've known where this book was going for a while. And then once we got the title of this book, we know where it was going for a while. So they kind of, this feels, it's strange. There's lots of character stuff. And this is not, when I say it's a setup book, it's not at all like, oh, you could skip this one. Absolutely not. There is many reveals, many big twists, many big moments. But I just mean like, it feels like if this is the end of a phase, that makes sense because it feels like we are going on completely different paths, all the stakes. And that's the best thing about the book so far is it feels like with each book, the stakes just keep getting raised and raised and raised, which I really like. And right now, it feels very Empire Strikes Back. It feels very Two Towers as far as it feels very if Avengers Infinity War, where some big shit. If you thought the last book, some big stuff went down. This is like some big shit went down all around for mm. not just even moments, just lots of characters' development. I feel the characters are in the most interesting places they ever have. And that's also because it's the same way as like, you couldn't do Avengers Endgame, you know, movie five, right? And that's the same thing with the book. The reason the book can kind of not take risks, but I feel um, raise these stakes and do a bit more, um, what's, what's the right terminology? Maybe surprising factors. And the fact that we know about these characters for now, three, four books, if you're doing all the canon stuff, you know the comic books, stuff like that. So someone like Katie, who I know was reading the comic books because we've talked about before, like, oh, we really like if Avar was in these books more. And she's like, oh, well, she's all in the comics. So if you're doing like the MCU thing and following it through, these characters so well fleshed out that now I feel it's doing not much hand-holding, which is good because the stakes are raising. So I don't know how easy it would be for someone that's never read a book to jump into this. I feel like this is fully now we're at the part where, okay, there's not much a 
oh, this is, you know, uh, this is uh, Lavar or Lavar. What's his name? Elvar Lavar. Elzar. That's his brother. Elzar. <laughs> this is Elzar. And this is, they'll give you a quick little blurb, but then they move forward. Where I feel like the other books so far have taken their time a little bit, but now we're in the thick of things. And yeah, these are creating some of my favorite characters, some of my favorite stories. They're covering things that I've liked before. There's people like Belle, who I liked a lot when we first introduced to him, but I I think I probably said last book I loved him. But now, like, I really love Belle. He, to me, was the stand. I know probably people are thinking, like, oh, what about Alzar? Great, too, but Belle just, like, it, it, it feels like we've been on such a journey, and that's why, for me, that's why I loved Master Apprentice. That's why I've always said I want Disney Plus my pitch one day if I ever can do shows. My dream is, like, I want a full-on series about an apprentice becoming a master Jedi Knight because you look at from the first book to now where Bella Bella is his development has been spectacular you can only do that with not only but like that's the benefit of having four books right they get to take their time but it feels like he's evolved so much it feels natural and I love what they're doing with them Elvar continues to be since it's so funny when we met him it was like oh yeah he's like a you know he's a fine Jedi I like him enough and then he got the spoiler for the end of the first book he got this vision I was like oh I wonder what's going to happen with this guy and ever since then just been on such a roller coaster so I won't talk about specifics because I know we'll do that but I think there's multiple characters that they focus on before that I was like eh, I was missing something or needed more and they raise them up and the characters I already liked they've got them even higher to be oh man if I made a fair Jedi list I might have to put some of these people on them you know which mm-hmm. is a good thing because I've not read all the canon Star Wars stuff and I'm not even a big book reader but I just want to be in the world and this is a thing where it's the same thing as Marvel same thing with DC where I don't I don't think Boba Fett is a bad show at all but for me it's just not clicking I got lots of problems with that I wanted to really be inversed in Star Wars but the good thing is these books are doing what that show's not. Of course, I'd love to have that all around, but I go, ah, oh, Boba Fett's kind of disappointing me. But then I put my audiobook, I'm like, man, I got some great Star Wars right here. So that is the benefit of having so many avenues. And the High Republic, it just, it feels like, again, same thing with the characters, they no longer have to do any setting up. Where in this world, you know the generation, you know the era. Any cons? It's funny. I'm excited to talk about spoilers because I, I liked the beginning a lot. I think I liked it a lot even more than the middle because I feel the middle... I don't want to say meandering, but I feel like it takes its time a little. There's a lot of foreplay in the middle to get to something that I feel like we all know is coming. The good thing is when it happens, it goes quick. And the third act's great. I feel like that's been the biggest thing about these books, that the third acts always really, really deliver. Like the ending chapters, whatever the rising action is. And I think it ends in a very – it ends in a place that I think the next book – is going to be maybe my favorite, depending, I got to see who writes it. And at the end of this podcast, we always pull the books. We're like, oh, when's it coming out? Because we just, like, even us this week, we're like, oh, look, there's a new book out. That's great. But I feel like the next book's going to be very almost Game of Thrones S. And that's going from a man that's never read Game of Thrones. But in the sense that that one feels like it could be a lot more personal because there's so many personal either wounds or relationships built up in this. Um, so, yeah, I love the beginning. I think the middle was like, a little slower, but again, not much of a con. Third act was great. Uh, characters continue to be great. I don't really have too many cons, which is a good. I don't have too many story cons. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like there might be some pacing issues, which is weird to say with the book, but uh, I don't have anything that really stands out big wise. That's where it kind of feels. Uh, I'd have to look back, but then maybe I even said this the last book, but I feel like this might be my favorite of the books we've read. Where are you on that? It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I I think I could agree with that. I think it's the strongest. So, uh, anything else non spoilers before we start getting specifics? Nope. 
All right, we'll take our first ad break, and then we'll be back. So if you just want to know what we thought about the book, because honestly, again, it is a long book. If you might be um, you know, reading through, you just want our initial thoughts. There they are. So now we're getting into spoilers. So if you've not read the book, please check out, and we will be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. So, Fallen Stars. So, here we are. So, that's what I was talking about. I just want to talk about there that we, I think we've talked about from the first book that we knew, like, Starlight Pico is going to go down at some point. We don't know when. We don't know how. Because, one, obviously, it's not a thing in our canon, like the, you know, New Hope and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But still, so many years ago, something could happen. But still, it was, oh, the Republic has built this beacon 
around, you know, uh, or Starlight Beacon. They just beat this beacon of hope, and they talk about that, again, spoilers, when it's crashing down of what it was supposed to represent. But we knew once that is introduced, it's going to get taken out. And then once we met the Nihil, Mar- Markeon Roe, I-, I have to start calling Markeon Roe. Did that, was his name always Markeon Roe? I swear at some point earlier in the book, they, sure call they, they call him Marsh They call him, yeah, Marshawn Roe. Yeah, now it's Marcion Rowe. So I'm for now sticking with Marshawn Rowe. It's easier on the lips. But once we met our villains, it's like we knew it was going to happen. But what I liked was it wasn't just the book started, they blew it up, and then we moved forward. It was just like an inciting incident. Or it wasn't just, hey, the whole book led to that. And then the last two pages are, oh, they just blew it up. I love that it kind of felt like a play where. Every, almost all our characters, our main character, actually, I guess probably all of them, were all on Starlight Beacon. For the, the ones that was mostly about, were all on Starlight Beacon, and it was like this backdrop of everyone's stories and their struggles going through. And that's where I feel like it's a setup where we all knew this was going to go down. And not actually too much happens story-wise to progress it. It is the Nihil does something bad, and the Jedi are going to respond. That's kind of been going back and forth a few times. This is just our biggest thing. It's just that all the characters that are on Starlight Beacon are having these very emotional, traumatic experiences. And not just because it blowing up, but just in the states where they are in their lives. And we're a lot of characters that are at their kind of tipping point. So I appreciated that Starlight Beacon exploding was not just a plot point. It was used for literally a whole book. It was a whole set piece. And I really enjoyed and uh, yeah, uh, RIP to Starlight Beacon, you know. Yeah, this was literally for me an interpretation of Star Wars Titanic, <laughs> and 100, percent yeah. And I mean, you're right. Like it's 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 finally done. It's ended. Like we predicted that this thing was going down the moment they announced it in that first novel, <laughs> yeah. and here we are, and it's come to a crashing end. I thought that maybe there's a chance they could save it because they had certain characters trying to work at it, and they were just kind of putting that thought out there with the story. But mm-hmm. true and true, it's gone. Um, I do like that it the concept of it was just kind of yeah in the background and everyone was more or less on Starlight Beacon whereas in the other books our characters were kind of traveling from different planet to planet even yeah. Martian Rome he didn't leave the bridge of his ship at all I mean his no. he just that was his whole story and uh, arc in this book until the end epilogue and then obviously when he wants to watch when Starlight Beacon's going down you have all these ships that can't do anything because they're just uncoordinated and coming out of hyperspace so yeah yeah and that's where I, I'll say because I'm you know number one fanboy of uh, Marshawn Rowe I love Marshawn Rowe I am very interested because I feel I guess we got lots of good content with him the last book, so I'm not mad. I guess where I would have been mad is if he was in the book this amount and for some reason was arrested or perished or something. But I feel like between this book setting up some stuff, his comic book is out right now, and we're going to hopefully, you know, I guess be going into another phase. It feels like he'll be around for a while. So I do really like that he is... It's a strange comparison, but he is the emperor in the state of not what the emperor represents as far as a character, but in the sense of he is going to be really the final big bad, big bad. Like, it's going to be one of these things that because I thought we may because I remember in um, the first book we read, I was we, we covered it. But I was like, oh, I really hope they don't kill him. And then he was in a little bit of another book. And then there was this book or the third book and then the fourth book. And every time I was like, oh, I could see them eventually getting to the point where they're killing him. And that could even be the next book. But I feel like they're setting him up for a big, long game. And I feel like there's mm-hmm. at least two more. I think there could be more, but two more books with him. Because I feel like with this book, 
we don't learn anything about Roe that we haven't before, and there's not well, any big. No, de- we we I would say this is a big thing. Like we learn about his relationship with that Republic senator, right? And obviously, okay, like no, you, they're yeah. having some sexual fun there. Well, we don't know for sure. We don't know what that is. Like I, I oh, guess yeah. Marshawn Roe oh, is yeah. a sexual being, but yeah, you're right. But it's nothing too massive. Where I feel that he, to me, has to have a scene with Bell. You know, he has to have a scene with some other Jedi's. I feel like there's at least two books of content you can get with him. So that's why I like that. You're right. We did learn some facts, but I feel we haven't got a big centric one. You know, but I guess that was kind of the last one because last one was all about him with Gray Storm and he was always talking to him and kind of threatening him and stuff. So it goes in waves where the first book he was big into it and then the second book he sat back. And I think that's completely fine. I like that he's this overarching bad guy. And if this whole era is about like the Nihil versus the Jedi and the Republic, it makes sense that he'd be the bad guy for a while because I feel like once you take him down, the whole thing's going to go down. And I also just wonder. I think they, at least from what I've seen, have made a villain or an antagonist that people like or appreciate, which is always hard to... It's not hard to do in Star Wars to make a cool villain, but still you want to make someone that they care about. I think they've done a good job there. So if they were to kill him, it'd be tough to build someone up, you know? So I like that he's sticking around. Do you feel as if maybe his character is kind of losing it a little bit because obviously he replaced some of his crew mm-hmm. with the droids and he's no longer thinking... I mean, he. I don't... I never looked at him as always for the whole of the Nihil. I feel like that was just kind of like a bound to happen sooner or later when at the end he's like, I'm not, I should have said like I'm doing it for the Nihil, but I'm doing it for myself kind of thing. And yeah, I think, I think that just kind of feeds to it, but I do think he, a part of him is kind of going insane. I think he's just, um, I don't want to say power hungry cause he has the power. I think it's just gone to his head. Unfortunately, like with him at that end, I think at the end when he says, oh, I know I should say I'm doing it for us or our cause, but I'm going to say the galaxy is mine. And then he just says it, right? I think that, oh, the word I was looking for is power trip is the phrase because I think that's where he – these are the signs that, one, he's pissed off the Jedi. You know, they're not supposed to feel emotion, but still, they're going to be mad. They lost a lot of people. The public's going to be mad because this whole, like, symbol of hope has been brought down. And now he's kind of showing his cards to the Nihil that, yeah, it's not really about all of you. It's just you helping me get what I want. And I think there's all these signs for his downfall. And like I said, I'm hoping that doesn't lead to his demise next book. I think there's some you could get out of that. I think there's even some things you could do where the Nihil kind of uh, uh, ousts him out and he's on his own for a little bit. But, yeah, I think he is – he is – he's showing signs of a villain that will fall like all, all the signs that we've gone before, which is good. It's going to be natural storytelling because the thing about Marshawn Rowe is it always feels like right when you're about to get him, something happens like last book. He was, they had found out where he was hiding. They found Greystorm. Greystone broke out. They were all ready to kick ass. And then he busted out this whole thing that I'm funny to, to speak about that. The whole, that fear, what we talked about this in the last book where it, in the first book was introduced that he had like this purple light, right? And something like that. And then Elzar saw that. They I don't think they really described it as a purple light this time. And I feel the last book they kind of described it as a beast, like this thing that they would dead, yeah. But they didn't in this book at all. And I was looking for that because you because that was the thing, Yumi, I think at first we read it as oh, it was just something like supernatural. But I think it was on air we were looking into it that oh yeah, it's classified as like some sort of beast, but 
it was not classified like they didn't drop the word beast or a figure at all. It was just like this feeling they would get when they went down this corridor and Marshall had like set this trap up for the Jedi. And it's just funny if one by one they keep going. And I was like, stop doing this. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I have, I, I'm still at a loss of what the hell this thing is. Yeah. All I know is just a, it's a weapon that can like, re- it's a Jedi reversal tool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> opposites uh, going full hard, full ham on Jedi. But I still don't understand what it is. I need to look more into it. But yeah, you're right. Like the we lost two Jedi going mm. into like encountering this thing, and we almost lost more. Almost, we almost lost yeah. Bell. Almost lost Elzar yeah. Man to it. Like it's just it's bonkers. So hopefully it's the last we'll see it on Starlight Beacon when it goes down. But I'm sure. Oh, you don't want to see that back. anymore. I don't find it very entertaining or like interesting. I just feel like it's just. A boring way to take out Jedi, I guess, because it's just like, oh, how did this Jedi die? Like, what killed this Jedi? Like, what's going on? And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I was going down the hall and I could see the entity moving closer towards me. It's like, okay, well, what is it? Like, I I know you maybe for story's sake, you're trying to keep it kind of low key and hidden, but it's just it feels like a cop out. I want to know like what is what is this weapon? I think the more more or less it's just kind of convoluted to me because of the transition you mentioned from it being like a beast from the previous book to now being something totally different this time around. It's just kind of confusing. Yeah, and even then because they they turned the first one uh or Jorelli was the, was she the first one? No, the first one was uh what was his name? Ricardo or Reggie? What was his name? It was an R. Oh, I can't remember. I we didn't know him that about. much, but yeah, he was that one Jedi. Um, he got turned into a husk, and then Orla Jorani got turned into webs, <laughs> and that's where it was like when they said husk at first. I was like, oh, in the book, I was like, I'm waiting for them to say stone because that's what Grace, you know, Gray Storm got turned into, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess I'm the reverse. That I, so I like that they maybe go away from the beast thing because I think that's kind of weird. I didn't like. I thought it was gonna be something supernatural when they described what it could be, and then when it was revealed, it was like, oh, it might be this beast that like comes out of a box and kills and comes back. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. I think I'm the only reason I'm not with you because I'm giving them faith is I think at some point the Jedi are gonna have to overcome this and find a way. Because if they didn't, why the fuck wouldn't many people be using this weapon throughout generations, right? Like in the future in our movies. So I think that there will be a way that they will overcome it. And I think for me, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I think they're gonna explain it. I it's one of those things sometimes less is more right and you talk about maybe some villains like uh in horror movies like a jason Voorhees or michael some people is like oh you don't really need to explain michael myers that much because you lose the mystique and i think that's true about some things i don't think that's true about this like light that's taking out the jedis i think this needs to be explained i think i need some exposition i think they will get it on how mark on row like found it how it was passed down the origins of it and stuff like that so and i like it being a supernatural thing so do you think if it was explained a bit more in detail you could maybe look back on this and like it or just in okay so taylor's shaking his head yeah, yes definitely but yeah, definitely and i think that i i because i still think there's still some stuff not known about rose family and past and i think that's what we'll get into because again how did they acquire such a weapon and what does it do and i i, I think they will explain it but if they never explain it then, yeah, I'll look back on these books and go, oh, it was kind of a, a reverse plot armor, you know, just to be something yeah. scary. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say on Roe, I didn't even mean to start with Roe. People are going to say, oh, of course you did. You're the fanboy. But no, just because <laughs> there wasn't much to add on. Yeah, he had that speech at the end. Um, that was all good. Good terminology. Yeah, you revealed about the center, which is good because they had hinted in books before that he had, like, an inside. Like, he had information. And we were always wondering. 
Like they never revealed that in those books. Like, how does he know this? I know he has like sometimes. I think they maybe mention spies or something like that. Maybe I'm putting that in the book. But I feel like before they had mentioned that. Yeah, okay, he can get this info. But they never were clear. So it's like, okay, our character just has someone on the inside. For it to yeah. be like a senator, that's pretty big, and he's working his way in a multi a multitude of ways apparently. But he has. It's so funny from the first book where he went from the eye that just gave people the paths to now it feels like he has this whole army and multiple ways into the system and the Republic and, you know, behind closed doors. Again, I think they're really setting him up, up as a good threat going forward. So absolutely. Is, it, is there anything else on Rome? Cause there's not much else. Um, when he was kind of doing uh, some self-reflecting, he had a brief thought about Canto bite fireworks. Just wanted to mention mm-hmm. that. Yep. So get old Canto bite making a he comeback. Re- yeah, he'll go get up there with his scooters and uh, his Vespas. Uh, his Vespas and go race around. The other thing I want to mention, so the character, and this is where I got the Game of Thrones vibe, and I think the next book, I'd be so down if the next book, I know they will do that, but had barely any action or no action at all because they mentioned, I can't, was it Aura Frey was the girl that's like his like right hand or about to be his right hand? Aurora I don't remember Frey. her name, but I know who you're talking about. I really like her character because when she we meet her and she starts to talk about people, all everybody just thinks they need to lead and that's important. But sometimes not leading or you know helping out or going with the flow is just as hard as leading. Or you know people just think that if you're number one, that means that you're the most important. That means everything happens for you and your life's fulfilled. But you can be just fulfilled being in the power, not the top of the power. It's kind of like the you know heavy lies the crown. And she gave this great explanation of how she's been like slyly working her way up to command as of right now, not to take out Roe or anything like that, but just that she wants to be settled in life, but she doesn't want to be in a position where she would be taken out either. Cause she knows whoever's at top will get taken out. Right. So I love that. She's even said that, Oh, even in the meetings, she will make it seem like she's valuable, but not so important that if they were like turn against row they'd be like and you're going with them like she's mm-hmm. playing this fun little dance and that got me feeling like very game of thrones vibes like okay what's this character gonna do is she eventually gonna be someone that only row can trust is it gonna be someone that leads to rose downfall so i found all her dialogue and all her kind of methods and motives very interesting and again we didn't get much of her just maybe a few you know instances and a few scenes i guess i would call them in uh, some chapters but I'm very interested to see what they're setting up with that character. Do you have any theories about which way she could go? Because yeah, and she's uh, she and she because she said for the first time ever she's been brought into like an inner council meeting, and that was a big deal for her. So she her plan's working. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure where she's gonna really end up. I can. You made some great points. I like her dialogue and kind of her self reflective moments where she's just thinking of how to step up and be better when she's mm-hmm. trying to provide like to Marshawn Rowe and everything like that. And just thinking in her mind, like the route of things, I guess, and st- strategizing, like, okay, like if I give him this and it'll lead me into this position, all that stuff and put me in higher graces. And I like all that. I really do. I like these Nihil mentalities. And yeah. I mean, what, what the last crazy mentality we got was like, wasn't it like Costas or Costas? Costas, the and, drug guy. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice to have a new Nihil character that is just a change of pace from the normal orgy Viking heavy music Nihil crowd. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because I don't know if they're going to go this route because it also sounds like she's definitely working on Roe and knows that, okay, I don't want to get taken out with them. But it definitely sounds like. I won't say attractive is the right word, but she definitely might like idolize him a little bit. She's found she seems like a little, uh, I don't know, a, a little 
taken taken with him. I don't know. So I don't know if that's going to like grow starstruck. In... Yeah, maybe like that. So that's I mean, I don't know if it's romantic or if it is just that where it's like, oh, it's the leader of this operation. But I could see it eventually evolving. They did introduce the chancellor thing. But again, I, or senator thing. But again, people die off left and right in this book. Bro, mm-hmm. might kill that senator next book, you know? So, yeah. Where did you want to go next? You start off. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, my ninth, my notes are kind of sporadic, but here, here's <laughs> this is a topic that this is like my, the first thing on my notes that I wrote down because I thought you would want to talk about this too. So we learned Jedi Padawans, uh, they get taken away on long missions. Oh yeah, <laughs> long missions, oh, mind yeah. you, when <laughs> the the sex gets out of control. So. If they're okay. getting too connected and too emotionally compromised, you could say, or the, as I take it, like they're getting too deep into their significant others. Uh, the Jedi Master knows, and the Jedi Masters, uh, most of them are aware of the shenanigans that their apprentices are getting into mm-hmm. with other hormonal Jedi. And so when they see it getting out of control, then they go on long missions to break it up. And that's what I... happened with Elzar and Avar Chris. No, it didn't. Oh, I thought it did happen. That's why, because uh, no, Avar kind of grew up out of it. No, that's the fun thing. So that's what I'll I'll explain it to you. Because they, um, first of all, Taylor was right more at the end when it's more about connection. It wasn't that when you said the sex got out of control. I know, it's not that the masters are like, words. oh, they've been in there for days and they won't come out. We got to spread these two. It's more that okay, there is a bond forming. So no, he said. This happens a lot. Like, you broke it down exactly. It happens a lot. People know about it. But all the time is if things are getting too serious, masters will send them on missions that they could be separated for, five, like, years apart, maybe even a decade where they ne- may never see this person again, right? But it, what he said and the reason he attributes to why he still has these feelings for Avar is because him and Avar did never get split up as Padawans. They grew up together the entire time. Oh, okay. So he said that Avar, even though I'm very interested to talk about Avar because – it's funny again i'm not gonna be that person because i hear about that all the time with the mcu that katie has told me avar gets lots of stuff in the comic books and at one point and maybe for the next book i will go back and read some because i do like avar as a character and i want to know what she feels about this but at the same time i could see maybe in the comic books they don't really touch upon that because it's just maybe her on missions doing stuff you know it's not the center if elzar's not in the books then we don't need to talk about him but it was interesting because it sounded like when she became a master or was going that path, she clearly at least told or made the impression to Elzar that this needs to stop. Like we, mm-hmm. we got, I've moved past this, but the thing is, I don't, this is going to be the fun thing in the next book. I don't know if she's had, or maybe she has, but then she falls right back in Elzar's lap because it seemed you know, like a, it really seemed like a, she was well, like yeah, falling I, apart for him. Well, I think because the thought of tragedy slash, slash losing one another probably opens up some old wounds and stuff like that. And again, that's what I appreciate with the book series so far. Just like Starlight, just like this. The first time we read that first book, they never fully said that they got it on, everything like that. But they gave us just enough that I remember at that first book, I'm like, oh man, these two, they these two got it on, you know. And I think at the last little before he had his visions in the first book, they said something, oh no, we're past that. But that could have been anything, right? But still, it's like okay. And then we got the full confirmation that yeah, him and Avar were an item back in the day, and that like, and we'll talk about Stellan. That was a good thing too, but um. It's very interesting because I feel that I was talking about this with Emily, and she's like, oh, well, I don't think – I thought Jedis don't do that. And that's why I said, well, you know, in this era, it's a little different. And even then, they still kind of do. But I, I wonder if 
in the future and because again i'm more like elzar this whole book when he's questioning like why shouldn't we use our emotions why shouldn't if i'm mad why shouldn't i feel i'm mad and go with that i'm much more on that side no it might be a cis side but no no there's ways to figure it out i i think the whole sex no sex thing was stupid i think george lucas just did that because he wanted to do the whole padme anakin like forbidden romance because we never heard anything about no sex in the original trilogy you know and i just think he wrote a the trilogy with Padme and Anakin and he really wanted there to be something where it's like oh these two can't to get be together what's the reason oh I know boom they're like priests and that's where it's like eh, oh I is- don't know in the in the original trilogy like you don't see or hear anything about the Jedi having like partners you get Yoda you get Obi-Wan and even Luke didn't have a partner and so okay but then you had Anakin who had two kids he did, and that's what's explained in the prequels, though, that it's frowned upon. But that's right? what I mean. I'm just on original trilogy. If you were to watch those three movies, you would have been like, oh, at some point, because no one was fucking him while he's a crusty little, you know, burnt up man. At some point, he was a Jedi, or even after Jedi, he had kids, right? So they, they, it was never spoken about at all in the original trilogy. And I won't say it got retconned, but it got added in. And I think it did hurt the canon. And mm-hmm. I do think that, like, the not that it hurt, like, it's all for personal uh you know interpretation but i think between the sequel trilogy which laid heavily into a romance between a you know dark side user and a force user and then these books which have heavily laid into oh yeah jedi getting it on they've definitely been like i just love how it's been like oh rule you can't do that too oh it's kind of yeah like we know but but at the same point the way i would counter myself is i think that in the anakin era they could have saw that okay we were letting these Padawans fool around. We were letting them have like some emotions and whatnot, but we got to be a lot more stricter because look what could happen. And Avar, we don't know what's going to happen to Elzar and Avar. Something really bad could happen like with them getting more romantically involved, right? Even if it's just them making questionable decisions because they're looking out for one another instead of everybody else, or not even intentionally, but if they're just like... So far, Avar's felt pretty to the mission, but like you said at the end of this book, she like... They both were in public, and they both made a big scene. And even Elzar says, like, I don't care if it was a scene. He, like, yelled her name across the field. I love the voice actors. Like, at the top of her lungs. And she ran to him, and she was talking to him like she was crying. So, like, definitely, I feel like someone's going to bring that up next book, like, even a little bit. But I do think that's where you could transition to the Jedi being more strict about it is, okay, we kind of let it happen. We let it slide. But no more. And even then, though, like you look at someone like uh, Rail Alvarez, you know, in the prequel era, he was getting on. It was insinuated that Qui-Gon kind of would do the same thing here and there. So, no, no, he's Qui-Gon's a strong. No, in Master and Apprentice, it was no, in Master and Apprentice, it was insinuated. (laughs) And we know he was fucking Shmi every night. Every night, everyone went to bed in that hut. All they heard was Qui-Gon just talking about the four. the whole i guess elzar and avar but then also just the whole more of the paddle ones kind of being allowed to and elzar almost said as like get it there you are i'm back (laughs) the last thing i was gonna say with you is elzar almost was saying that it sounded like the Jedi were letting the Padawans do it to almost get out of their system, you know, like let them do it while they're younger and then they'll move on in the future. So what do you think about these mm-hmm. findings of the confirmation of the, the I was just calling the czars because the Elzar are Avar, you know, well, I guess not, I guess not, but still. Yeah. It's cool to see kind of where their dynamic has evolved. I do think Avar is the, uh, the, weak point in the armor for Elzar. Elzar is so oh, compromised yeah. and Avar, I feel like does not, 
properly know these things about Elzar because they've been a while since they've seen each other. Elzar mm-hmm. um, has been since the last battle and he tapped into the dark side. He's been on a kind of like a Jedi retreat trying to like recover <laughs> yeah. and kind of bounce back into the light. Uh, and now you have Avar Chris who stepped down from being the kind of like uh, the head honcho at Starlight Beacon. That's where Stellan mm-hmm. comes into play and takes over her, her position. It sounds like stepped down against her will, though, sort of deal. Because she was well, surprised no, she, when she she, she... she was surprised that he took over, but I think she she took it, in my opinion, as, hey, I'm stepping down uh, to go off and find, like, Lorna D, right? Because they're like, oh, Lorna D is the eye of the Nye Hill, I think, is yes. what she thought. So I'm going to go hunt her down, and when I come back, I'm going to become, you know, take back my mantle. And then mm-hmm. that's where she was completely caught off guard when Stellan's like, you know, I took the job. It's <laughs> <She's laughs> yeah. like, what? How could you? And she just totally like loses it a little bit there. But again, that that whole dynamic, it was, it was, it was cool. It was interesting. There wasn't a lot of Avar Chris stuff, but it was mostly just Elzar that I was really intrigued by. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just name off some things here as we transition with more to him. Like, I feel like he is a different era anakin skywalker with how he's going about things like he killed an innocent woman okay the same way you were a kurt defender and dexter that's a whole different can of worms before we get to that woman i do want to say i really love just the um when he brought up where he was staying when he was hoping it was gonna be like somewhere tropical and warm they'd send him and he's like how am i supposed to focus in the cold but then he's like oh that's actually better so i love all the descriptor of where he was it felt very much like wherever luke was in uh, last jedi whatever that planet is it felt like it was that because he described it as like cloudy and damp i don't think it was that but it felt like a similar terrain so that woman he killed how can that be compared to anakin because elzar sees this person who is this person a former nihil who he thinks is messing with the turbines he kills her and then realizes no she was trying to help she was trying to save us Anakin not once do that in the at least in the movies. I'm not referring to the Clone Wars because you've seen those more than me, and you know. Oh, I'm oh, back again. They don't want me to Anakin schmear, but like you can resort to the Clone Wars more than me, even though I think they bungle some stuff with Anakin too. But Anakin would like even the first time we talked about Clone Wars and uh, with Anakin with him killing somebody, it was like a guy who had no weapon on him or something like that. With, like I, that's where I don't think it's comparable. Elzar killed that woman accidentally. He felt yeah, terrible. That's, but that's that's the thing. A Jedi should not. Did I think that whole sentence is is just wrong? Like a Jedi killed someone accidentally. A Jedi shouldn't have gone into for the kill. Period. Uh, and I think that's what yeah, Elzar's biggest flaws. Situation, even so, know. I mean that's that's one of the biggest flaws. Like a Jedi, even the most highest pressured situations, and Elzar has. As controversial as I think it is to me, he has a moment of high-pressure composure uh, where, again, Buryaga is dealing with the Rathtars and Elzar has to go off and handle the door situation. Leaves Buryaga and tells himself this is the right thing for the mission and he does that under high-intensity pressure and continues on with what he's doing. And I'll, I'll, I'll justify that with him being, okay, he's composed, he's making the right call, even though I fucking hate that he did that leaving Buryaga to get pulled by the Rattars, that's where I was going to like throw my book if I had one in my hands. It was an audio book. Just throw my phone at the Your wall. Phone. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elzar! <laughs> but I, that's where I feel like Elzar is just kind of this back and forth character because a Jedi killing someone instantly, that's, 
that shouldn't have happened. He should have he should have reached out with the force and sensed what was going on, but he just went emotional reaction. He quickly went well, in there and killed the person. He should have dis- disarmed them and be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, but he also said they stated this many times that he was cutting himself off from the force as almost like a reboot, a refresher, right? So when he said he should have tapped in the force. He couldn't really at that moment because he was using it like a little bit. But he even described when he used any force power, it felt like one of the most excruciating pains ever because he hasn't used it in a while. So that's why he'd cut himself off. And again, yeah, I understand that. But it feels like the pressure is showing of him. And I I love, though, the next scene where someone like steps out and they're like, oh, Elzar, like assuringly asks who it is because he has PTSD. Like he doesn't want to strike down another person. So he's like, who is it? Who is that? Like he's like really like checking like what are you doing there so I, I think it was a great character moment and like bell was maybe one of my favorite characters if not my favorite at this um this book we'll get to him later but l's our next in row is probably my favorite of this series so far because i like how conflicted they've made him with everything with avar with the force and to me and i, I think you're completely right because there is a argument that you can make he should be trained well enough to even just investigate a little bit but i get it he saw someone at the turbine he just worried jumped to the conclusion that they're gonna destroy it and i gotta save lives so i get that but i think stuff like that makes it interesting because when he does strike her down and realize she was trying to save it that was a really big dramatic beat and i felt it for him i was like oh man like that's off because at first i thought i because when i listened to it when they described it i was like oh did he just want kill an innocent woman but you can understand i'm like okay she was the nihil you know former prisoner and whatnot it's like okay there was an accident so i could see it even though you're completely right of yeah you should be you know that's your job to check but then you counter with okay he was caught from the force and he's not really on top of his game so that's what i like with his character you can go back and forth on why he should have done it or why he shouldn't have and what are some of your more points of hit well actually let's take our second ad break and then i want to hear some more of your points of elzar or anything else so we'll be right back Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. So were you more points about Elzar being more like Anakin or were those done? Uh, that, that was like pretty much my only two okay. things. I don't have much else on Elzar. Just that he's not doing well. He's no. just well, struggling. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you because I think my counter to him not being an Anakin, we'll have to see, is the end of this book. He Also, he had some really good moments with Stellan. We'll talk about them. But it's great to have that fleshed out because Stellan, to me, was one of the weakest part of the High Republic series so far. It's just like he was just there. And they almost call him that. They're like, he was just the third will to Avar, Chris, and Elzar. Like, that's what he always felt like. This book, to me, gave him a purpose, which was good, like in more ways than one. But there's some good content and conversations there about, like, Stellan is talking about a guy going through it. Stellan is becoming Jack Torrance in The Shining, where at one point he just feels like he's giving up. Like, everything's going wrong. He's like, I can't do anything. He's mm. just under so much pressure. Els- and it's so interesting. Elzar's choosing to cut himself up from the force, but Stellan's, like, having it taken away, and they're talking about this. And that's why I love Elzar, where he has this all going on, but he still goes to Stellan. He's like, okay, what could I do to help my friend? Like, how can I take any weight off him even if I don't want to do this? So, again, they show Elzar as a good person. That's not my case about Anakin. 
we'll talk about it more, but Stellan makes a sacrifice. He sends the droid off and everything like that. And I will say, I've loved a lot of these books. I don't think it's happened, but I'll for sure remember this. I legitimately was starting to tear up when Avar and Elzar reunite and you see the robot and like, oh man, they're going to find out Stellan's gone, like their friend from, you know, Padawan childhood. Mm -hmm. And then when the robot opens up and gives him the lightsaber and he has a lightsaber and he's grabbing it and Avar's trying to search through the force to connect with Stellan and she can't. Man, I I, that, I was choking up in my little cubicle at work. I was like, oh my God, like this is some good stuff. And that's only things like I was talking about with Endgame. That's only things you could probably do most of the time with a book that's in its fourth mm-hmm. series. Unless it's just about, you could do that with a book, but I'm saying you couldn't do that with a, hey, we're going to have 10 characters in a book. I guarantee you there's some drama or some romance book that I could read where it's about two characters. Oh yeah, because it's just about them. But this, when there's so many, that was great. But what I was trying to get to long con is Elzar to me at the end of last book he was so unconfident he slept with that woman he had that tar- uh, you know dark side tapping into moment this felt like he had a purpose and even if that purpose was to not let Stellan's death be in vain it felt hopeful for the first time it also does help that Avar is there and I think that's what's going to cause a rift is i think elzar is going to get back on track he's going to be the jedi we all knew and loved at the beginning where he's doing the force mind trick he's going to be very strong-willed everything like that but avar is going to throw a wrinkle in that and not meaning to but just like he'll be back on the path but then love's going to get in there and i don't know if that'll get in the dark side or whatnot but i to me the ending was him not doing the anakin thing where anakin started to feel more uncertain uncertain he at least felt certain of i have to do this i have to do this for stellan mm-hmm. so that's where i ask you for that ending and because i i looked on uh reddit too and there's all these people like having theories and whatnot do you think elzar will turn the dark side because i really don't i think i really do think he will i think oh like, what you, you star wars is not star wars necessarily without a little bit of dark jedi activity in there and i think they're setting up elzar as a great dynamic controversial character that might be a little susceptible to it and mm-hmm. they've alluded to it and yeah I, I definitely agree i think this is like a good it felt hopeful at the end of this novel when that extremely sad moment yeah when Stellan dies and you have the rekindling of this relationship or this friendship I'll say for now of Avar Chris and Elzar Man but at its core I feel like if he loses her you know if they both are like hey we found Martian Roe Martian Roe just fucking nukes Avar Chris then Elzar Man's gonna just lose his shit or if Martian uses his special tool and turns Avar Chris into a bunch of cobwebs then Elzar Man's gonna go crazy well and maybe this is like some people could be mad because I'm not breaking the fourth wall but I'm revealing some other things in a comic book recently Elzar talked to Luke Skywalker that's why I don't think he's going to the dark side because that to me wouldn't be happening if like there's some sort of force vision or something and he's talking with Elzar. Elzar could be a Jedi that pulls an Ahsoka that steps away from the Order, steps away from it all. I hope that's the case. Um, oh, there Internet's you are. going great tonight. I said I was saying that I could see him being an Ahsoka type and stepping I away. So. I would yeah. much prefer that. Because I just don't think he's tapped into the dark side, but the good thing is, like, right away he got help. He cut himself off from the force. He tried to go cold turkey. Of course, he's worried, but I think that was more just a point of frustration. Where, like, Anakin, he's not sharing this shit with anybody. Like, he told Padme some stuff, but Padme's a fucking, uh, 
She, she, she uh, what is that term? Ena- she's an enabler, Padme. She could never <laughs> once like really help them out. You know, like, oh, you killed these sand people. Okay, let's get married. You know, so that's where I think people around him. I agree, he could lose it, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think we're gonna get a book where they defeat Roe, and then two books later, it's like the Jedi versus Elzar being evil and stuff like that. Because right. The other thing is, like, he's not going on. He's talked about stuff about why shouldn't Jedi feel this way, blah, blah, blah. But it hasn't been so self-righteous where it feels like he's eventually going to turn against them to, like, they need to do it this way. It just feels like he may disagree with their standards and he's going to leave. My hope is Avar survives and they leave together, you know? So, yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Alzar continues to be a very interesting character. And I can't wait next book to see what's going to. That's my biggest thing because there's not much Avar, too. I'll add this where. I really hope that Avar is in the next book a lot because she was in the first one a lot. So I know she has her comic book, but still, I want her back in the books. And I want there to be like the same stuff that we, not the same like quality of it, but like what we got with Padme and Anakin. I want Elzar and Avar to be sent on some sort of mission in the next book where they have to work together. And oh man, because there's going to be some good, good conversation there. Either way, whether she accept, I, oh, what is, what is your percentage of them? Getting together one more time, shacking up. I think it's Probably pretty like high. Eighty nine percent, I'd say. Yeah. Even <laughs> if my worry is that, well, this is what could push him is there's two things. I think it'll happen, and then you're right that she'll die like right away, or it'll happen, and then she'll push him away again, and that might make him go off the deep end as far as making some bad choices and stuff like that. But I, that's what I want. I will be, I would be pretty disappointed because that at the ending I was fist like all oh, the reunited. Would you be disappointed if next book is the same thing where we're with Elzar, but Avar is on another mission and we don't have much content with him? I'd be a little disappointed, but I don't think that'll be the case. It would just be like deja vu. We already have that. I think our our heroes are all united at this point in time, Mm -hmm. especially out of in the wake of a death of a main character like Stellan. I feel like they're just going to roll with that and keep them together, at least for the time being, because we got got Belle and... uh, Mm -hmm. Well, Belle's kind of going off into his own thing because he wants to go find Buryaga. I think he feels that Buryaga's... Not necessarily dead. That's what I'm hoping to God. Hoping to God he's not dead. Yeah, I agree because it's so funny. We talked about that. They made such a big deal in the higher public marketing. Like, we're going to have a... And that first book, Bariaga was, like, barely in it. And we're like, well, that's... Mm. And they have the terrible, like, always... They've done a good job of... They'll do occasional a few Wookiee sounds. And then they'll say what he said. Where the early books, there was a lot of just, like too much Wookiee noise going on for an audio reader or audio Mm. listeners like Wolf. But I love that they have like this buddy relationship. They're both these apprentices, like trying to become a Jedi, a Jedi Knight. They can understand one another. So not that I dislike Buryaga, but in the first book and in the other ones, I've been wanting so much more. There's been times where he just kind of has like a cameo and he just says like, Oh, I want to know a Wookiee Jedi is cool. And now first when i thought man i just killed him off are you fucking kidding me because it's just like you got i get it because the stakes of the book but i was like you finally are giving this character some really good stuff something very different for a wookie it'd be great i love that one joke when something happens and they're like oh and the hairs on Buryaga's, you know body stares like it was quite a like a sight to see and i just thought about that like a wookie having goosebumps but i loved that like i could take a whole book of bell and Buryaga. so i really like oh, that absolutely. they to me him and stellan they raised both their stocks where stellan that was the guy i didn't really care about Buryaga was on one more and they definitely gave us more of those two and i i i do think he i think he is alive because i think it's gonna go on his feeling of saying I didn't feel anything with Grey Storm and we didn't look, so I have to. It'd be very depressing if we just found Burag just like dead somewhere. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I really liked Briog in this book. Um, so their relationship was fantastic. Again, we mm-hmm. get a little bit of insights into it in the previous novels. From the start, Bell has been this Jedi that I've attached to and clinged on to, and I just love where he's been going. He, him, and his master, uh, Logan Greatstorm. Uh, well, I guess master, primarily his original master, <laughs> know, like Greatstorm. The when they were setting up like them versus like the Nihil and just like that whole original like battle sequence of them like doing their stance and stuff like oh it gave me goosebumps like yeah. Bell is such an incredible Jedi and I love where he's going and he just grew so much in this novel and his dynamic with Buriaga and how they were both lifting each other up I love that even more and it was just great so when you have this moment where Buryaga gets axed by the Rathtar, shout out to Force Awakens. Yeah, Rathtar. Uh, it, it definitely was just, it had me so distraught. But I'm holding high hopes that he is alive and we'll get him back later on. So, Yeah, I think we will. I, I, I hope he is because I want more of their missions and whatnot. So, yeah, all good stuff there. Uh, let's talk about Stellan because I don't know how much we have to add. But I will say again... I feel that first few times we've met him, he just was like a blank slate. He didn't have much of a character. He was just like a wise Jedi. I loved that the pressure of taking, that's why I compare him to Jack, for the pressure of taking on Starlight Beacon as the head. It felt like even though. Oh. Oh, there you go. They're getting Jesus. longer. Oh, boy. Oh, I know. I'm, I apologize to the uh, the listeners and everything. I'm not sure what's going on with my connection here, but that's that's the fun thing with podcasting. I was saying that before, it, it seems like Starlight Beacon was maybe too much to take on, and he's a great Jedi, but maybe he wasn't completely cut out for this. Now, at the same time, you got the Nihil, you got all this stuff going on, so it was never supposed to be like this, but I love that they kind of were... That's what made me like him as a character is finally showing some kind of wrinkles in it. And again, cracking a different way. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to talk about some thoughts. I'm going to reboot my computer cause I'm going to fix it. So you re you, you talk about your thoughts on stone. All I'll say is that I like them giving him lots of cracks. I'll say more just because I think that gave him some personality. So I'll be right back. Yeah. For me with Stellan, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, like you said, the different cracks and stuff. I, I like seeing you have this Jedi kind of being broken down the nitty gritty in different aspects. You have Elzar Man, who's just obviously we've seen the cracks in the wall with the previous novels of how he's kind of just been degrading a little bit in his connection to the Force and tapping, not tapping, but the dark side kind of reaching out to him. Whereas you don't have the dark side reaching out to Stellan in this case, but you have him being compromised by dealing with so much and who wouldn't be you have this jedi who's just been kind of shoehorned in to fill the gap of avar chris leaving and the mantle needs to be filled at starlight beacon and then as soon as you know you're what first let's go with month on the job the whole station has just kind of gone absolutely insane and is going to be at risk of destroying it's on a collision course of the planet so obviously you're going to be breaking out a little bit and i think getting to see this jedi kind of go through these uh, this kind of experience was just a great way to flush out a new kind of take on a jedi dealing with something so drastic and that's one of the things i love about this is because i've made jokes about it all these jedi like the the 
Old Republic era Jedi would not last a day in the High Republic era because of the level of PTSD that each of these Jedi go through. And they, like, Stellan wasn't going through severe, severe PTSD or like craziness, but it was enough just uh, to compromise him and just kind of like create a challenge that he overcame. And again, I just feel like I'm using this term more and more, <laughs> seeing these Jedi, and I feel like Stellan came out very much on top, even though he he did die. But I feel like he he went out like a Jedi. So I, I agree with your sentiment of most are you know prequel and maybe old Republic Jedi's couldn't go through what some of the higher Republic stuff Jedi's are going through. But um, I I feel I don't feel Stellan's one of those because he did overcome. But I feel like you make him a Jedi in the Clone Wars. Fuck, I don't think I don't think he's taking that pressure too well. You know, even even Elsa is like because there is a point that you could argue where. In the prequel era, the reason they don't handle it so well is because, again, there's so much going on. Like, sit their back. There's an evil emperor around. You got the robots. You got the clones. So I will give them some credit. But, yeah, like, the way Anakin gets so many uh, visions, man, talk about Elzar. But, yeah, Stellan, I think, would not be a great Clone Wars general leader. I don't think he would have, uh, you know. Avar Chris, though, put her in there. She's ready to go. We'll see, though. We'll see, though, how emotionally compromised these people might be. So, Yeah. And yeah, shout out to Stellan. I, I, I'm hoping in the next book we do get maybe a flashback scene of Avar, Stellan, and Elzar Man. I think we got that in another book. I'd like some more between those three yeah, because obviously we're not going to get it. I think his death will serve purpose. But again, I also just like saying him saying in the first book, they kind of insinuated that, okay, Stellan knew that something was going on with Azar and Elzar and or Avar and Elzar, and Elzar almost took that as some of the attitude he would have towards that. It seemed like looking down upon mm-hmm. the two, specifically Elzar, but then he made point in this book that he was almost kind of jealous what they had because he didn't have that with anybody, and he was the third in the dynamic, so he kind of saw what they had. It's going to be interesting for Elzar to take that information in because he's going to, I feel like he's going to take that as like, well, yeah, I, we should be together then because there's one of my best friends telling me that I wanted what you have. And he's going to be like, this is right. Again, it all depends on how Avar responds. And that's going to be the fun thing because it could go really good, really bad. Of course, you know me and the El Nazar, like, let's get some love. They better be making love next book at least once. I want her. Oh, look, that was a short one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I hope we get some more content with them together. But if not, uh, uh, sorry, Son, I'm sorry you had to go. Yeah, me too. What else do you have? Uh, the last bit of my notes is just on uh, Leox and his crew. Mm. But yeah, you um, really like them. I saw you post about them on Twitter. I really, you like really like them. and his friends. Oh, yeah, like the voice actor, it's just like, oh, yeah, we're just gonna fly away and he stopped. He literally like, did the all right, all right, all right. He did. He it. did. He did. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, I went straight to Katie. I was messaging her about that. It was just, it's yeah. just crazy. It definitely, he looked at this character like, I'm just gonna play him as Matthew McConaughey. I don't hate it, but it is just, I kind of chuckle every time. So, mm-hmm. but I, I did like them. They, they were in it. Maybe just a little, a little too much. Like some of their stuff on land of like when they were, or they were talking about, they're worried that he was going to sleep with someone's wife. And there was that dynamic. Like that's a few things I could have cut and done without. I think that's stuff I was referring to in the middle that a little fat eye trim, but it sounds like you liked all that. Yeah. I get I, I like that. Leox had a few surprises. He whips out that thermal detonator and Appy just loses her shit on him. Like, yeah, I am part of the crew. I have a right to know and everything. And geode, I think is like, probably like easily like 
up there with Belle, Geode is probably like one of my most favorite wow. High Republic characters. I don't know why. He's just, I love that he doesn't say anything. I love that when the time is right, he just whips out and is an ultimate badass. And then he goes back to being just completely like <laughs> composed. And I love the dynamic. Like, oh, I was looking at Geode and he just gave me this, this stare of like disappointment to this stare of like, you know, like <laughs> just, I feel like every character has their own interpretation of how they tra- uh, like translate Geode's reactions. But I mm-hmm. just, I, I just love Geode so much. Um, when Leox, you know, like coming off of those two Jedi that died and then Buryaga mm-hmm. I thought was killed and yes. Leox died. I'm thinking, what the fuck? This is like one to a hundred. They're just killing everyone in oh, this yeah. book. So when Leox came back, like I met, I messaged, I kept messaging Katie because she's the only one that was, had read the she book ahead of up, me. Yeah. She was caught up. So I messaged her. I'm like, Leox, like I was, I was like, oh, I love Leox. He's so great. And I was like, no, Leox died. And then get a chapter ahead. Oh, he's back. Why are they doing this to me? Like it was just such a roller coaster of emotion. Because what was it? Him or who was it again that could do the, like the, some purvis to bullets or something like that? Like they had some sort of. Uh, was that him? What was the character they were referring to at one point where they could like open and close? I can't remember, but I can't remember either. But I feel I feel like I know what you're talking about. But yeah, I, I do like them. I think the good thing is in other books, sometimes especially that first one, they had a pilot character with all our Jedi when the ship was going down and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I I feel that Claudia Gray she did a Master and Prince because remember those were the there were those two like kind of pirates or space criminals that link up with obi-wan and qui-gon Jinn, and they end up helping them out and stuff and then they fall in love i feel claudia gray does a great job of those pilots or those kind of the common folk in star wars and making fun interactions or you care about them because i remember even that first book that i read of claudia gray's master and i was like ah fuck i don't want these these pilots i just want the obi-wan and qui-gon but then i end up really liking those characters so she does a good job of making you care about people that you might not even be showing up for. So yeah, I, I like the majority of their stuff. Like I said, I think you could cut a little bit of it, but I like the majority of it. So mm-hmm. uh, the only thing, cause I don't know what your notes, cause we talked about a little bit. I want to mention bell where, yeah, I think I mentioned this a lot in non spoilers but still love his journey and his progression to be, you know, from, I think this guy, I feel like next book we meet him. This guy should be a Jedi Knight. He should not be an apprentice anymore. He should be a master by now, if you ask me. He's well, I won't legendary. go that far. He's he's still pretty emotional, I feel like. he Like this whole Baryaga thing, he's right, but he could be leaving them in a very critical time, and that that's very mm-hmm. that's very Anakin-like. But one of the things I really liked, and just to show the differences of certain characters and whatnot, where they're talking about at the beginning of the books that they caught these Nihel people, and when he said that they got him and there was no way out for them and they were going to be going to prison all this stuff, he said that he felt that was right and justified and he didn't need to kill them or strike them down to feel fulfilled. And that's why I like that he, cause he's coming off, you know, the Nihil have been messing a bunch of stuff up. He had that first interaction when it was great in the first book where they're after the families and stuff like that. So he's seen them take out innocence. Obviously they've killed and done many terrible things over these books already. They took his master, uh, tortured him for how long we don't know. His master ended up dying out of everybody that could be the most motivated to the second he sees a Nihil just fucking like strike him down is Bell, but he doesn't. And that's why I love where it's not even, Oh, I got them and I want to strike him down, but I talk myself up. Like Elzar might have that, 
But I love that he said he got them, and that was just like he felt fulfilled that, yeah, I, these people are going to prison, they're caught, and that's good enough for me. That's almost the same as taking their lives. And I really liked that because that shows that he's definitely, he's definitely, even though he's a little adventurous and he's very much more, I feel, personal than a lot of Jedis, he's definitely on by, I don't know, prequel era route because he's still very respectful of the guidance of Jedis. He's very. Other than Buryaga, to me, Buryaga is like the first thing where he's stepping out on his own. Like, I'm going to do this. So that's why I can't wait to see the next book. But that between um, the justice thing, because I don't want to kill, he feels very clean cut, very I am a light side Jedi user and stuff like that. So I, that, I really love just little character moments like the catching of the uh, prisoners or the criminals that gave him okay. He's fully confident where he is. Again, he almost lost another master. She's not hurt. She's not dead. She's just kind of injured or something like that. I don't think she yeah. ever woke up in our book. So we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I think this dude's uh, ready to be a knight now. And I, I hope he finds Buryaga. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see. Is he with his master when he goes on this mission to find Buryaga? Or has he completely just gone on his own? Which I think that's what I'm kind of hoping for, to be honest. I would like it if he was on his own. Because I think there's some good material there. But yeah, Bell has become a character that is like a, could be a good lead really really like him again just a great journey a great progression very natural to you know from padawan to i guess just more of a padawan but it feels all natural and i can't wait to see what he does next he's just feeling like in a couple books or if they ever did a time jump he could be a leader you know and it's just even when he had to really take control when the ship was going down because stellan was not really in function to do so and elzar is trying his best bell really stepped up but you know obviously you can't save everybody but i feel like he did his best so I, I can't wait to see where bell is in a couple books or two watch he'll be killed next book oh he better not be killed so what you're saying is bell would make a great clone wars general i th oh i think so yeah he's definitely a leader he's definitely someone that takes you know false rules like i don't i don't think he's the padawan that is sleeping around like if he is there's some lady or man padawan that like really talked him into like he was very not against his will but just very much like all right, I guess we'll go this way. But like, <laughs> I don't think he's like Elzar where he's like thirsting for people. I think he would look a bit, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, so I like I, he to me strikes me as the Jedi that, yeah, probably even hasn't done that. It just just he's still very naive and maybe that will happen. But he would definitely would be a great Clone Wars uh, prequel Jedi uh, general and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, anything else for your notes? And I'll look for mine. No, that's all I got. All right, what do we got here? Um, well, you know what? Let me let's see. Avar romance confirmed. We talked about that. Alzar suffering from major PTSD. We talked about that. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's take our last ad break because I have two notes. We'll give a range and we'll also take a look like we do at the end of a review and see what books are coming out so we can try and find out when our next time we'll be reviewing this so we'll be back and we're back so my two notes and they this is definitely on purpose so this is uh oh no oh, there he is uh this is uh, this is on purpose so this isn't a negative against the book but jj the robot fuck him man he's so annoying and that's the way he's written so it's on purpose he got that great moment with the uh, elzar and avar at the end but man just mm -hmm. he's so annoying i don't know if that's supposed to be some i hope it's not supposed to be some shot at jj with this robot always getting in the way and interrupting stuff but man he's annoying um 
The other thing we didn't mention that I really, really like this set piece because there's so much death and stuff that happened was the chess Jedi temple bombing. Really liked that because it, they <laughs> there was a sad moment of they're about to be bombed and the Jedi and the two Jedi, I can't remember their names or their status, but they're talking. And I think the younger, more unexperienced Jedi says, okay, should I go tell the Republic that we need help? And the other Jedi goes, no, go tell the Republic that we're gone and just kind of give them a heads up. And this Jedi kind of, you know, is like begrudgingly and sadly does it, but they still do because they know, oh yeah, we are gone. But just kind of like, man, I have to go report on our deaths. And again, it was like, er, that should have been our first sign of what was going to happen in this book because these other random people we met were getting killed off, but lots of death. But I really liked that. And that was one that hit her like, man, this is, this is brutal. Now they're taking, they're, they're, they're finding Jedi temples and just taking them out. And I loved mm-hmm. at the beginning of this book that they thought that the Nihil were getting divided and there was divisions, among, which is still kind of true because there is always, but they kind of took this like, Oh, weakness. Like this will be easier for us to take them down is the exact opposite because they're much more um, unpredictable. And honestly, yeah. they just decided to go for the juggler were taking out Starlight Beacon. Like that was a big thing. We knew it was coming, but still the fact that they did it was like, okay, now this book ended in a way where all of them, I feel mad because I do feel if the Jedi were to come together and go against the Hill, I do think they would take out the Hill pretty easily, but it's just that the fact that the Hill they're hard to catch and they're very sneaky. So that's the thing mm-hmm. that they have going for them. But if there was a war like Clone Wars, we're talking about Clone Wars, if it was Nihil on one side and Jedi on the other side, no, I don't think the Nihil really even Marshawn Road doesn't stand a chance other than if he has that little whatever light thing. So yeah. Uh let's see. So what would you give this book uh, out of ten in your last thoughts? Like I would I'm s I would I should have went back and looked at what I rated the other books. I can't remember. I, but... I always forget. I'm I'm gonna drop this one a solid, not like nine point five out of ten. I thought about maybe like a nine, just because I really felt like the beginning was slow. But just talking about it and just thinking back on everything, I'm gonna go with a nine point five out of ten. It's just such a great novel. The characters are fantastic, and I think the rating is significantly higher on on where I would put this book, specifically because. I read those other two books <laughs> or other yeah, three yeah. books actually. And I feel like you talked about this at the beginning of the cast. You can't just jump into this because you're like, Oh, no. I got no real connection with bell. Oh, cool. A Jedi Wookiee. That's super exciting. But you are missing out on so many aspects. Like, Oh, why is Elzar man just kind of feeling super depressed and tra- traumatized with all these things? Like read those other books and it's just going to make this such a much more enjoyable star Wars experience. Cause I, I, I really can't, I see all the time in the comment sections of people whenever they announce a new Star Wars Higher Public novel, people are like, oh, is it worth getting into, worth getting into? And there's so many negative comments that are coming out from people who haven't partake, partook, inquired with these books and dived into it, this era. And it's such a downfall and a mistake because the people that do read this like you and me like there's genuine genuinely good content character story and so many things that are emanating coming out of these books and when we get to dive into that in potential future games like star wars eclipse it's just gonna make those games so much more rewarding knowing that mm-hmm. knowing what we know going in not to say like oh we're on a higher tier of star wars fan oh yeah we are <laughs> Fuck all you yeah people. there you go <laughs> you're not true star wars fans if you're not reading the books but there you go no, I agree. and that's where it is it is getting tough but at least now with all these books out that you could jump on it but it's one of those things where it is tough i feel i can't 
you can't say, oh, just jump into this book. And yeah, it's the same thing. I should have looked into what the um, uh, what my other ratings were. But again, this is like I'm not a big book reader, but I feel like because they're doing the whole connected universe thing, this feels a lot more like comic books for me. Just obviously really well spread out. But it's the same thing. If you have your arcs, you have your storylines, and okay, on to the next one. And yeah, I think I would go. I'd probably go a little higher. I think I'm a nine point five, just because I think in the middle, like I said, there's a few things that are cut out. Pacing kind of because of the beginning i was the opposite of you guys like loving all the character stuff loving the setup and then it felt like we slowed down a little bit and then we jumped right into it but i don't have any major cons and whatnot and yeah all the books i've enjoyed for the most part other than like i said with the the very first book there was always that beginning that i was like ah, i don't know if i'm gonna be in high republic and then after that they've always kind of varied from good to great but i've i've really liked them and stuff i'm now very happy because there is the legends books but some of those it's it's not the same experience because I'm reading something about, you know, Darth Plagueis or Emperor Palpatine because I have prior knowledge of those characters, right? So I, I'm going, yeah. like, next year I was looking at books. There's that book that I can't wait for where it's Luke and Lando and they, it's after Return, Return of the Jedi. It's them hunting, you know, or looking for Jedi Temple stuff and everything. I can't wait for that because I just want more Luke and Lando in that era and stuff. But this is great to have these characters that have fallen for and everything like that. So, yeah, a 9.5 out of 10. I recommend it for... The people that haven't read it, I should have done that on spoilers and everything like that. But let's see. Did you see the recent news about the Last of Us series happening now? <laughs> well, we're yes. going to talk about it maybe on like a, a newscaster. <laughs> this is the uh, Star Wars High Republic review. But thank you for tuning in. Um, and then, yeah, so I was trying to look and see that there doesn't seem like there's much High Republic books confirmed. There's one that looks like for February, uh, the Battle for Starlight. The battle will start. There's no battle for Starlight. It's gone, you know. And I get I was wrong too about the Tempest Runner. That's out in um, March of this year. It's just okay. already loaded up in my Amazon because I use it with my credits. But yeah, there's a lot. They're putting out lots of the legend collections and stuff. Oh, we want's coming out, stuff like that. And then there's so. F- or what did you read? Because there's this February book that I'm seeing. It's High Republic Midnight Horizon. Midnight Horizon. Because uh, I doubt there's two yes, books. Yes, I see that one. I doubt there's two books in February. Well, they've done this before. Like, maybe one of them is, like, a young adult. Like, the other one that I read, The Battle for Starlight, doesn't have a cover art on it. But, oh, it's probably, okay, yeah, young adult children's literature. This one that you the read, ki- Midnight Horizon, I think that's probably more like the adult storyline. No, no, mine's in the young adult novels because they There's always the young do. Adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at you, teeny, but maybe I'll go to Wikipedia. But uh, yeah, because they always do that, right? Then High Republic, like I said, they've had the three. They have the children's book and then they get young adults and adults. We still read the for people that don't know. We still read the young adult ones because they're still good. They still have our characters. They're usually just different. Like the last young adult book, I think, was one that didn't really have Roe at all. Like he was only in first scene or something. But um that was on wikipedia or wikipedia okay let's see here so so i got it in date here so yeah midnight horizon is the next book so let me see there's so many ads don't you hate ads everybody don't you (laughs) you know at least ours in a pop-up ads and you're supporting us that's a good thing so um let's see so this is the next book. After a staggering losses, the Republic seemed to finally have the villainous Nihil Marauders on the run. It looks like they're light at the end of the tunnel until the world comes of suspected Nihil tech on an industrial compilation of World of Corella right in the Galactic Core. Sent to investigate our Jedi Masters 
uh, Vitrus and Sai, along with Padawan Silas and Jar- who knows, they'll tell me how to say this, but Jomarama and all fighting their own private battles after months of unrelenting danger. On Corella, Wreath and Ram encounter Brazen Youngs, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not getting into the whole plot. But what they uncover on Corella turns out to be just one part of a greater plan. What could lead to the Jedi's most stunning defeat yet. So this feels like this is going to give us, this feels like this book is not, and here's one where you could skip it. I don't say skip it, but it doesn't sound like it's centering around any of the characters that we're following. Yeah. But it feels like this is going to be more set up to whatever the Nihil's next big plan is. There's going to be lots of that in this book. So, and then um, let's see, I'm trying to find more. High Republic, and then High Republic Mission to Disaster. Is that the one you were talking about? No, that was a different one. Mission to Disaster looks like it's like a young, young. Oh, a ju- like that's a what they call kids. them. Junior novels is junior what they novel, call them. Yeah. And then Tempest Runner. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably check out Tempest Runner. I have it in my books and everything like that. Because if, if we don't get many other High Republic books until later on, then I probably would check out Tempest Runner. I like Lauren D and Night Hill enough, but... Yeah, it doesn't look like there is many after, but it seems like they put out these books and then they do like a big like dump of announcement. They'll be like, okay, these two months are getting this, these two months are getting that. But yeah. we got that. Uh, I, I've, I'm pretty confident that that Clone Wars book, I think it's called Brotherhood. I will not be reading that because I don't need any more Anakin and Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars in my life at all. I have six seasons of that, but I'm pretty confident you and me will probably be reviewing the Luke and Lando book because I'm very interested to see what they are doing after uh, Return of the Jedi. So, yeah. Well, there you go. We did it, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed this review of uh, Star's Hyperpolic, The Fallen Star. Uh, yeah, when you hear from us next, it'll not be boring. May the Force be with you. Always.